0: Hi, and welcome to MBA Without BS. In this episode, I'm speaking with Joe Hostlem, Professor Joe Hostlem from IE Business School in Madrid, Spain. And one of the things that you'll hear straight off the bat is that Joe is not only super creative, but he's also very fast. The cogs in his head are running 200 miles per hour. And he kind of knows everybody. You know, he's well-known as the scale-up professor. And we spend this podcast dropping names and sharing funny stories from Elon Musk to Bill Gates to Steve Jobs to Richard Branson to everybody. And I guess you get a sense of what it's like to sit in a class with a professor who's not only very caring and very... Engaging with his students, but also has very deep roots in entrepreneurship. He knows what it's like to build a company, he knows what it's like to raise money. And for him, from what I've heard, and I think from what you'll hear, is that it's about giving people confidence, it's about speaking up his mind, it's about not giving a fuck. So I hope you enjoy this. As a last tip, and this is something that Joe and I speak about, you know, for a good five to seven minutes. If you only have five to seven minutes at all to listen to this episode, check out. It's towards the end. This is the message. Take a sales course. Take a sales course. Focus on sales. Take a sales course. It doesn't matter if you're 15-year-old and planning on doing your MBA in 10 or 12 years from now. It doesn't matter if you're in your undergrad. It doesn't matter if you're doing your MBA or just before just after or 20 years after. Take a sales course. Learn how to sell. And once you're done with the first one, take a few more. Read books about it. Watch YouTube clips about it. It is literally like the most important thing you can do as a business person. I cannot emphasize it enough. Joe cannot emphasize it enough. You know, Mark Cuban cannot emphasize it enough. Just take a sales course. Take a sales course. That's it. Uh, If you have any comments or questions, feel free to comment on the blog or on the website on LinkedIn. It's really engaging. I'm all for open discussion, open dialogue in the community. Otherwise, if you enjoy the podcast, please rate and share and comment. It goes a long way. It helps Facebook and LinkedIn and Apple's algorithms promote us higher and just share our content with more people. Uh, That's it for now happy listening Joe welcome to MBA without BS thank you for being with us today
1: it's my pleasure Michael it's good to be with you
0: so great for joining thank you very much and we'll start with you the way we start with every podcast guest and that is tell us your story in two minutes or under
1: Uh, okay so i 'm Joe Haslam, and i i I was born in and grew up in in Ireland. I often say that uh, two, four, six, eight, which is to say that uh, I have lived in eight countries uh, I um, have started six companies, I speak four languages and have two kids <laughs> um, I have the typical profile of uh, someone who was uh, in school I was always the guy you you know like in the Shawshank Redemption there was the guy who came to you when you needed someone who could acquire a couple of things so I was always the guy who was sort of buying and selling on the schoolyard and that's not an unusual profile for a lot of entrepreneurs uh, but then the other thing that happens is you do what your father tells you so I did a master's in accounting and finance and, and I went to work in London uh, and uh, then I found that to be the internet was kind of ticking off and, and, you know, people who were involved in, in accounting, uh, suddenly turned into internet entrepreneurs. Uh, so what did I do? I spent some time in the States and then I came back to Dublin and I worked for a consulting company. And then we left and we set up this company called Marrakesh. Six of us left a consulting organization. This was the dot-com era. So at that time, you know, lots of people were doing this. And uh, so we, a company called Marrakesh, uh, we, I guess we scaled to about 250 people and we raised $70 million and uh it gave me a lifelong interest in this concept of scaling i mean the investors were the typical investors were saying like capital is infinite and you know we, we will give you as much capital as you will put to work it was you have to think you know i i tell my students now about what that time was like so that uh, scale and then when that company was sold uh, i sort of looked around and i said oh what am we going to do now and one of the things was that we had done as part of the um as part of the fundraising process, you know, a lot of the times people would introduce themselves and they would say where they had done their MBA. So that got me kind of interested in, because I had to have that moment around the table where to say, I I actually, don't have an MBA Hmm. so that got me interested in that and uh, I guess I would also spend some time in Texas so I was interested in speaking Spanish I often say that the only people having fun in Dallas are the Spanish speakers so I was often in a lot of situations where I wished I spoke Spanish so uh, I, I came to Madrid and I've been here about 16 years Uh, In terms of IE Business School, I guess I should probably add that uh, both my parents were, were professors, both of them, so I had sort of that in the family. Uh, and my father would always be that the only kind of important thing to do in life was to teach. And mm-hmm. even when we sold companies that were successful, and I was in the newspapers, he was, "Oh, you might be able to get some classes now." You know, <laughs> that was always his sort of, <laughs> you know, that sounds like an Israeli mother. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that, That's kind of we had a bit of that as well. So uh, and uh, so that was sort of how I became involved, but also. I I found myself repeating a lot of conversations because I had been through a process uh, of scaling and and you know at that time you have to remember back in the dot com time, Steve Blank, Alex Osterwalder, Eric Eric Reese, they, they those guys their books hadn't come out and that people didn't really understand the difference between a kind of a startup, which is, you know, temporary organization looking for a business model and, and a larger run company. Uh, so what I found was that I was having a lot of repeating of the, having the same conversation with a lot of people. So it sort of said, well, at least if I teach, I can have that conversation once to many people. And that was kind of where that came. And, um, it sort of went on from there. I guess the school were interested in, in, in what I was doing and, and they thought that scale up was, because if you think about it, you know, all business schools promote entrepreneurship. Uh, but actually, starting is very different to scaling and and this is kind of what, what we'll get into and actually start business schools are absolutely perfect for teaching scaling uh, mm. they're not so perfect in teaching starting because uh, they the kind of what's behind a startup there has to be something that's innate within the person this kind of feeling that you know that that you it's important to you that that you know that you matter uh, that you know you don't mind being wrong there are a lot of characteristics that that entrepreneurs kind of have that can't be taught now there's another half of things that can be taught and that's what we do. But I think the, the way the world is going now is that business schools should teach a lot more about how to scale companies and a lot less about how to start them. Uh, and that's sort of the, the position we're in now. So I, I teach, uh, we have all, I mean, I teach. I teach scale up to everyone. I teach it to the university students who are you know, in their 20s. I teach it to the executive students who all tell me, I wish I'd met you 20 years ago. Uh, Mm. I teach it to the MBAs who sort of, you know, say, oh, you know, know, can you get me a job on Amazon? And uh, that's actually what MBAs say say to me mostly. Uh, But also we teach it um, to people. I mean, we have a saying that, you know, business schools don't create companies, but they do create entrepreneurs in the sense that a lot of people pass through business schools And and they don't create a company in business school that goes on to scale, but they leave business school and and kind of, we have kind of planted ideas in their heads and then they go on later to create companies. So, you know, we create entrepreneurs rather than companies. So I've probably gone way over my two minute introduction, but (laughs) there you go. Rules aren't my rules. Aren't really my thing.
0: No, but it's good. It's good. How many books are you writing at the moment?
1: Oh yeah. Well, I, I, uh, i guess 3 is the answer okay. um but uh you know the like they say the only good phd is a finished phd mm. uh, the only good book is is a finished book so uh we have um lots of uh i mean one of them is just a collection of my writings you know i write a lot of like articles and things like that so one is just bringing all those together and so and that's the sense of you don't really have to write new material you just have to sort of organize it and then my my kind of co-researcher who's a german guy and operations professor he he kind of brings the, the the rigor and the discipline to what i do so we we are writing a book together but uh we're changing publishers Uh, So that's kind of, you know, bringing some uh, but the idea is that we're going to write a book uh, on the scale up checklist In other words, the idea that just before you scale that you have a checklist of items that you ask yourself before you do anything Uh, and the interesting part about um, about scaling and a lot of of, You know entrepreneurs, you know Not all of them who have been to business school and some of them who think business school is something that it isn't They ask me like why, you know, what can I learn from you kind of thing? I always say to them, listen, you know, I'm, I'm never going to know enough about your industry to tell you what you need to do. But, but, you know, I can certainly identify the things, the mistakes that, that you will make because, you know, those seem to be common. So I, I, what I find in, in a lot of scale-up entrepreneurs I talk to that the mistakes and the errors are very common. In other words, everyone kind of makes the same mistake. Uh, but the difference between succeeding and not succeeding uh, is that the person can find, you know, the, like the positive aspects, you know, find a hook or find something that, that allows them to be exceptional. And I always say that if you don't make common mistakes, Uh, If you don't kind of, you know, if you don't do premature scaling, if you don't hire the wrong people, that gives you the space to then find what it is that you need to find that if you're sort of, it's like as if you're starting from underwater, you know, then you just have to like struggle to get above water or above ground. So, you know, I'm very confident uh, to any entrepreneur and and usually they're quite aggressive people. And I say, look, what I can do is I can, I can stop you from making common mistakes and I can tell you the issues that you're going to face, uh, but you yourself will always have to be the person uh, who who finds the answers to those questions but at least if you know it's coming then you have a better chance of 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 uh, of solving them Uh, and i really encourage i find you know entrepreneur organizations coming together to be really good you know there's an organization called endeavor that you might have heard of and i find that not enough entrepreneurs talk to each other uh, and um it can be a very lonely business. Generally, your investors, a lot of them are are more, you know, financially based and they don't really understand what you're going through, particularly in Spain, I guess, less so in Silicon Valley and and definitely less so in in Israel. Uh, So if if you're surrounded by people, you know, your partner, your investor, your, even your co-founders, they don't really know what you're going through. It's kind of hard to just, to, to sort of, you just feel overwhelmed. So if you talk to other investors and say, look, that happens to everyone, that happens to everyone, you know, everyone has had that moment where they're literally, you know, are, you know, have to curl up in a ball on the floor out of just, you know, rage and frustration and and don't think that it means anything. It's just something you have to do. It's just something that sometimes you're just overwhelmed or something that's just desperately bad luck happens. And you just, the only thing you can do is, you know, curl up in a ball on the floor and and scream with rage and frustration. But then because that's your nature, you, you know, the, something good happens and there's that Paul Graham quote that, you know, that entrepreneurship is going from like, you know, hopeless to, I'm going to, you know, change the world like several times in the one day, you know? So that's, you know, that, that, that's the thing that it's, you know, and I, I find, you know, increasingly, um, particularly with scale up entrepreneurs uh, you know, just managing their mood is, is extremely important. You know, you laugh at, you know, I was just reading a lot about tennis players. I read a lot about high performance and they say like, why would someone like Boris Becker be a coach? You know, his methods are outdated. He played in a different time, but you know, it's, it's the mental kind of thing that if Becker was a hero to you and if Becker turns to you and say, Michael, you will win this game. You know, it's things like that, and and just even the fact that Becker is around you and he takes the pressure off you. Uh, you know, he perhaps doesn't contribute very much in terms of nutrition and in terms of, you know, he, he plays he played serve and volley obviously. Uh, you know, which has played less and less. So so that's the kind of issue that uh, if if you get a piece of good news in the morning, uh, and your morning routine is is I mean. That's another thing that I talk to a lot about coaches that you, as when I coach that you, you just, you know, I was always somebody, oh, I don't need morning routines or I don't need any of these things. But, you know, in the same way that even the best sport players have, Tom Brady has to warm up, you know, and Tom Brady has to like throw 50 throws to get his arm going and you have to do exactly the same. And, and if your day starts bad, sometimes you never get over it. Right. Uh, and if other people are depending on you i, I that's the other thing i say I say look it's not about you you have 200 people you have to pay at the end of this month uh, and you know if you are not prepared to f- feel responsible for those and and uh, you know say that okay if you need to spend 20 minutes meditating in the morning even if you think meditation is like crazy stuff i'm telling you that you know those 200 people depend on your performance so if this works you know, you have to get over your issues and do it. So those are, as you can imagine, uh, those kinds of conversations, you have to have had some credibility to give them. You know, you had to have actually have formed a company, understand what it's like to make payroll, understand what it's like to be going into a meeting where if I don't get a result from this meeting, you know, it could be all over. And and you have to smile through that meeting, even Mm -hmm. though your heart is is going... um, you know, so those are like, those are sort of issues and only entrepreneurs can talk to each other about those things because, you know, I mean, you, you will know this from your own, your time in combat and stuff like you, you can talk about it, but unless you've been through it, uh, you, you, you actually don't know what it's like.
0: Right. You have to be, you go through the ropes, you know, you have to, you have to know the feeling, the ins and the outs. And, um, I think you, you mentioned also, last, uh, yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah, I know. Just also just the, the whole kind of visualization about it, you know, I mean, it seems like, you know, uh, the idea of like, uh, you know, early on in your career, you can you can kind of rise without the need to get things very right. Uh, but as you, you know, as, as things get serious, uh, you know, you have to do stuff visualizing meetings, you know how, because that then prepares you better for stuff that might happen in the meeting you know like everything from like what happens if the the guy doesn't turn up you know all these kind of stuff and also like the idea of less is more you know the idea of identifying a number of like really important things and just putting all your effort in those rather than stretching and you know you can see how um you know you actually need to have somebody who 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 says look, all this stuff is important you know you you probably did okay in the first part of your career you got the jobs you wanted in the places you wanted but what you're doing now is a very different kind of a thing mm-hmm. uh, and that unless you you take the time to listen to podcasts like this and you know when i grew up uh, we had one television channel which was on <laughs> for half the day and uh you know i the idea that like i i just look at some videos on the internet now and i see oh my god there's only a thousand people have watched this Hmm. And I, 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 you know, I, I think of how useful the information, uh, you know, I think like, people will, will go to a seminar, they'll pay 700 euros for a seminar. And very often, you know, the, the guy giving the speech he makes in the seminar is on YouTube. Uh, and uh, for free. so, you know, but for free. I yeah. think you and, mentioned
0: and, and, uh, Reed, uh what's his name from LinkedIn? Oh, Reid Hoffman. Reid yeah, Hoffman, yeah. Yeah, like, in yeah one of Masters of...
1: Masters of scale i mean it 's incredible uh, how now i don 't agree with everything Reed Hoffman and it 's yeah. very silicon valley based you know yeah. uh, but um the point is like when I was starting off my entrepreneurship career, none of that was available you know you, to hear Reed Hoffman, you had to go to you know Menlo Park or Silicon Valley or or wherever he was living and 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 you hear him you know in some classroom in Stanford or something like that was the only way. Uh, and when I lived in Silicon Valley, I mean, I used to spend all my time up there and we used to be kind of just walking around, um, kind of just seeing who was given classrooms and stuff. And, you know, that was, I, I there was some amazing stuff, but that was the only way to get access to that. Now, you know, everyone reads the same blogs, everyone gets the same podcasts. Uh, and in fact, I, I, I don't have any readings, on, on my syllabus anymore, it's all podcasts and documentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some of that is just people don't really read stuff anymore, uh, but also just their lifestyle. You know, most everyone, all of my students are all beautiful people. They all go to the gym and they're all healthy and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So they, you know, you give them stuff as a podcast and everyone listens to it, but you ask them to read like a, a report, you know, a Gartner report or something and, you know, that's not going to happen. So, so that's a big thing about just believing that you can, you know, you can, you don't have to be, I was listening to Mark Cuban, uh, this morning and, and, uh, you know, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. And I, I, I met him when I was uh, in Dallas, he, he's a friend of a friend, you know, he was saying that he, he just you know, his secret is that he stays away from the coasts, you know. He stays away from New York. He stays away from Silicon Valley. And he says that that, that leaves all that opportunity for him, you know, which mm. I thought was a sort of an interesting uh, way of looking at, at things because I, I, you know, would have thought like, oh, there's the places you want to go. And he's like, anything to do with Silicon Valley, I avoid. Anything to do with New York, I avoid. And, uh, you know, that was that was uh, an interesting, you know, that's that kind of thinking that you encourage of your students, you know, critical thinking, you know, not just following the, uh, the trends. The big criticism of, of MBAs is, is what Peter Thiel says, which is that they're always chasing the previous trend. Yep. You know, so that, that by the time, you know, Driving you, you may made
0: through the rear, uh, rear window. Yeah.
1: You, you probably saw this in your own class in, in INSEAD that, you know, everyone was like, God, I, you know, hear about something during the program said, I'm going to do that, but it's already too late. Mm. It, it, it's like, the uh, you know, the PR gurus always say, like, what's in tomorrow's newspaper, not what's in today's newspaper. By the time it's in today's newspaper, it's too late to do anything about it. You know, when you get up in the morning as a PR person, you say, what's in tomorrow's newspaper? Because that's, that's what you can change.
0: There's a great book um, by Sir Ronald Cohen, the guy who started the Yeah, Apex, I know him. Yeah,
1: yeah. Apex. Called the
0: yeah. second bounce of the ball. So he's saying, you know, okay. everybody knows where the ball is going to hit, you know, once it hits the floor but do you know where it's going to hit the next time? Yeah, And that's kind of the same. I I want to talk a bit about students because you said something last time we spoke and I found it, you know, it just stayed with me. He said, look, the, um, uh, the biggest job of an educator is to give people confidence. Yeah. You're kind of doing two things right now, right? You're, you're teaching and you're also an entrepreneur. How does that work?
1: Well, the first thing is, I mean, it's just for for your credibility, you know, you, 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 you you know, students are, 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 you know, they pay a lot of money to attend these schools and, uh, you know, they're like, who is this guy and why should I listen to him? Uh, So it helps when, you know, I go in there and I say, okay, here's the companies I founded. Okay. And I literally say, okay, have you co-founded a company that has raised $75 million? The answer no therefore you gotta listen to me you know? uh, and and like while at some level i i hate doing that in fact at another level uh, you know, it's like in a, I used to play a lot of sport, and coaches generally said, like, you just hit the guy in the first minute to let them know you're there, you know, and <laughs> then then the game kind of softens up after that. But, you know, the initially uh, that's just the way this these things work. So, you know, you, you get a uh, never get a second chance to make a first impression. So mm-hmm. I make sure uh, when their attention is on on you in the first five minutes of each class, I hit them with that and there are some people who dislike you for doing that but you know i i I think uh i i think that the majority you just ask to get a fair hearing so I do that, and then it helps as well, of course, to keep your skills up to date. You know uh, that if I'm out there raising money for a company, uh, you know, it, it, who is, you know, I, I get in, intel on what funds are open, what funds, what what sectors people are looking at, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and it's funny how even six months can make a big difference. You right. know, in terms of 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 who's raising money. So you know, if I'm, if a a, a student comes up to me and say, look, we're pitching this guy uh," and you can say, oh yeah, I was in with him last week. You know, what's important is, is X, Y, Z. I mean, they, even the, 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 the kind of most critical student Mm. will have to admit, okay, this guy is relevant and this guy, and you know, that was one thing I got from my father. My father always said, you have to be relevant. You know, that's the word that he used a lot. He said, if you're not relevant, he said, you know it it's it's you're doing something wrong so uh, the students will say to me that you know because he i can't like the world i you know, I was successful. That's 20, nearly 20 years ago, you know, so like, you know, Facebook wasn't around, uh, you know, it's just the world is very different. You, 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 you know, as I say, we didn't have Eric Reese, and we didn't have that way of kind of doing lean startup. It, it wasn't like that at all. And uh, so me telling stories about, you know, cloud computing, I mean, you know, if you'll allow me to indulge, you know, I, I, cause I love telling this story. Like, you know, we had to go to dell.com, you know, mm-hmm. order servers, which came in a box. We had to, you know, take them out. We had to establish trusts, configure them, you know, put them and then on FedEx to go to somewhere in Texas, you know, mm-hmm. like that took four weeks, you know, now you just go to amazon.com. How much RAM do you want? And you're in and, and you know i still remember you know media planning media buying trying to get space in red herring you know all this kind of stuff you know and, and and i and people now say like what you can't precisely target like literally the the exact people you want which is you know what facebook does allow you to do uh, and they're like they just look at you and and so tips i had back in those um back in those moments you know in terms of tactical execution uh are are not as relevant but in terms of strategic stuff uh you know that hasn't changed in in a thousand years you know uh like the first thing you think of in any conversation is who's buying and who's selling you know uh, and that's very often, you you know, you have two people in, in a conversation, both of whom are are selling. And in that case, like, there, you know, there has to be a buyer or there's no money changing hands. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, those kind of questions just but, you know, similarly, uh, questions about how to treat people. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things about, uh, you know, the fact that you, you have to have this kind of resilience. Uh, and that's just a really important thing. Um, so those things haven't changed, but the actual tactical execution, uh, in terms of how you do things that's changed a lot in 20 years.
0: Well, that's why you're Andre Agassi for these um, <laughs> uh, students.
1: Yeah. Oh God. I've read his book, you know, open, which is an extraordinary book. Uh, and, uh, you know, my God, he's had to suffer for his art, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, but You know, like even at the end of the book, they asked him, was it all worth it? And he kind of struggles to to sort of say, you know, like he's in in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife, uh, you know, asking himself, where did it all go wrong? You know, Uh, so I'm not sure, but it's uh, um, the thing is, you don't have to be wonderful. It's not. You know, actually, a lot of very successful people are desperately unhappy, uh, and you find that as well. I mean, that's the other part of what I do, which is you know talking to people um, that I've I've been in businesses with, even after exits, and and a lot of the what people are surprised about is how that they're restarting another company even when they have like more money than they need but it's you know they talk about this thing about well you know i'm sitting at home and suddenly i think i've got cancer you know like this kind of like an empty brain is a very you know odd thing and and there are people that say look i i have this thing it, it has been a blessing it has enabled me to achieve fantastic things but if i don't feed it it's a curse You know, like the need to be relevant, you know, the need to, you know, like, you know, you nobody, you know, if you think who's the hottest person in the the world, like, you know, I won't say Elon Musk, because everyone sort of says that. And first of all, I have my own stories about Elon. But if you just think in terms of like, whoever is whoever is cool that everyone wants to meet, like, he doesn't want, he only wants to talk about things that are relevant to what he's trying to do. So if you want to get to Elon, like he has no interest in, in hearing, you know, old conversations about stuff. So you have to have something in motion in order to get into his company so you know that's why the why you, you know serial entrepreneurs they have no choice you know they'll they'll you know do something they'll set up a company they'll they'll have an exit they'll maybe take 6 months off but literally they can't help themselves then you know going back in uh, and that's you know that's both their curse and as well as their blessing
0: i've seen i've, I've been following uh, maybe like other people i've been following bill gates quite closely recently and i found it remarkable you know he was a multi gazillionaire by the age of like 40 right and he more or less retired like 80% retired and just spent his time and his money but also his brain power in just doing good and he became this mega mega power broker i don't know he's he's his own country you know with the gates foundation um so so that's a that's an example for me for a person who obviously hit the 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 top of the top he was he was asked about
1: yeah he was asked about you know what like you know sort of um like what would he do when he started to kind of slow down and be less relevant and he he said he would use his money to surround himself with the best thinkers you know Mm. like that's you know in a way that's what he's doing now which is to say uh you know and and you know i there are things about the gates foundation that we can be critical of you know my african students in particular are scathing of you know the, the the you know the white man's burden and you know african solutions for african problems and you know the students we get from africa are the best you know Definitely. there are times when i i would literally say like okay all the non-Africans, you guys can, you know, take a hike. I just want to hang out with these guys because they have a perspective. They don't expect everything to be perfect all the time. Um, but they also, you know, they tend to be, because remember how populated Africa is, uh, they tend to be like really smart and, uh, a lot of them are very critical of the gates foundation and you know his kind of solutionism you know like this idea that you know there's a sort of a tech solution to everything uh, and actually the netflix documentary i don't know whether you've seen it uh, inside bill's brain it's called um and uh, it's very good on that to be fair um uh, it's, it, it shows an example of, of Bill going in and saying like, oh yeah, you know, well I, you know, we just get a vaccine and then go village to village and then the thing is gone. And it shows unintended consequences and, you know, how, um, you know, power relationships in the village can affect, you know, whether people will take the vaccine or not. So it's that kind of thing is quite interesting, but, you know, Bill does have, um, like he, 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 you know, his, He's not interested in, well, he's not interested in very fast cars, but he is apparently interested in cars. But what he's interested in is like being, having access and conversations with smart people. Like the intellectual stuff is really important to him. And that's the way he feels young, you know? Uh, And that's, he's doing the foundation, I guess, in a sense, he is doing it to do good, but he's also doing it because he remains relevant and he, he, he gets access to like the best thinkers in the world. Uh, and so that's what he that's what he uses his money for
0: so do, do you want to tell the story about elon or stories
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, i, was, I made what, a this note is, <laughs> this is what
1: i said this is when i say this isn't being recorded is it but <laughs> i i i won't i won't give i'll tell it without giving any names right okay. because it's quite an amazing story uh, and uh so we, we do a thing that's called honey potting, and and as, as a good Israeli, uh, you will you will know what honey potting is, uh, which is basically like trying to kind of attract the attention of somebody. You know, trying to kind of set up a scenario. You know, if there's somebody you want to meet, you 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 say say, well, he goes to the gym. At whatever, so then he walks home at this time, so you know he might go for a drink, so you know, and you know this is these are really important skills by the way, you know this is how life works this is, this is
0: military know? military skills, this is what you yeah, do, yeah. Intel what we call
1: yeah, so i mean and i i have i am i mean I have this conversation, I talk a lot about how we have lost these skills uh because you know everyone is now like I, I i well that's another story i'll tell and i will tell that one after elon musk but so um i said to a guy who wanted to work with elon i said well why don't you write a post and, and then we'll kind of get somebody who um you know elon follows to favorite it and then there's a, there's at least a chance that elon will see it you know and it you know uh, these guys are very vain and and it worked better than we kind of ever expected so then the the guy who did it uh, you know and i think the you know I, I if i told you what the post was you could google it and, and then you find out who <laughs> the guy is and he he's like he said to me he said joe listen i i i i like that you tell that story but i don't want to become the guy that joe tells the story of vila must story about he said i want to be known for my own kind of professional achievements but he was saying that um so anyway we got this guy to favorite it and then. Lo and behold, he gets up and and uh he's there's a, an email from uh Elon's personal assistant, you know saying, Elon read your post and he'd like to talk with you so you know then the first thing is like you know is somebody scamming me or whatever, but <laughs> you know we we went through all of those things, and uh it all checked out and and you know long story the uh, time was set up, and Elon comes on the phone, and uh he sort of off- says, Look, um." He said, uh, I love the fact that you can convey technical information in a very clear way. And that's actually a skill that a lot of people can't do. So, you know, talking about megawatts and and all this kind of stuff, it's technical information and not everyone is skilled about conveying it. He sort of said, you know, listen, you know, would you like to come and work with me? He said, he said, I, a lot of the communication stuff, he said, I handle it myself. He said that might surprise people. He said, I don't have this big team around me. and and Elon, as I understand it, and we have, uh, you know, one of my students in naive previously worked for SpaceX. Uh, in fact, he, they get so burnt out that they literally have to take a year off and, and do an MBA or something. Like, so <laughs> the irony is like an MBA where most is quite intensive is still nothing like SpaceX. So he, the guy offered him the job and uh, he, you know, he didn't take the job because, you know, he had a sort of, his, he, well, he worried kind of that Elon, you know, would fall in love with him and then spit him out, you know, and he'd moved his family to California or whatever. So it didn't happen. But the, the point is um, that, uh, you, you know, that that anything is kind of possible, you know, even it's possible to get to somebody and that person isn't as, that person has needs just like everybody else. So don't think whoever you want to talk about, whether it's Mark Cuban or Elon Musk or, or, Ev, or whoever it is, you know, there isn't some way, that, that you can get to work with them. And I, I, you know, this comes back to what we we started talking about ages ago about confidence. Uh, And, you know, there's this kind of thing, the most frustrating part of my job is, is, is very good people who refuse to believe in themselves. You know, very good people who, who say, Oh, Elon Musk would never offer me a job or, or, you know, ah, there's, there must be like a million people who are, you know, who, who know about that or something. And I, I kind of, I always say to them, you know, you, to win the lottery, you have to buy a ticket, you mm. know, and 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 like that's, you know, like what's the worst that can happen? And and even if you don't get the job, you meet people along the way. Um, you know, I remember people who I, when I was working in Silicon Valley, who you know was playing softball and soccer with, who have gone on to be like, you know, you know, people again. Uh, let's not name drop, you know. But when I met them first, you know, they were very. You know like you know you're gonna get a beer kind of guys you know very ordinary so uh that's that's the thing so i I think that um you know you can criticize and this is very in in the news now because of the the debate about face to face versus online in business education uh, and I absolutely defend that uh if the purpose of if, if you have to pay whatever is a hundred thousand, but that, you know, you develop a confidence and develop an ability that you're just as good as everybody else, you know, that's not just worth 100,000, that's worth 200,000, maybe even, you know, 300, 400,000, because, you know, unless you believe in yourself, other people won't believe in you. And, and unless you put yourself forward, you know, then the assholes win, you know, and, and, and one of the things people say to me is that, you know, I can be quite intimidating in person, you know, in, in a classroom as a professor, I really challenge people. And, you know, in an online forum it's it's kind of easier because yeah. you you know, there's physical distance. Uh, you know, but I, I have to kind of watch myself because I, I get very you know, I see somebody as if you've written a brilliant essay, but you, you you don't have the ability to stand up and explain to this class in two sec in two minutes or less what was in that essay. And I'm telling you, like it, unless you learn to do that, it doesn't matter how good your essays are, and and that can be you know saying that in public to somebody uh, in the short term, um you know it's not a nice thing, and you know listen I I there are people who will criticise me for it, and I don't do it every day, but there are people who I get amazingly frustrated with who have valuable contributions to make, but who won't get help in terms of learning how to communicate, or won't get help in terms of um you know fi- you know other people basically take credit for their work. Uh, and I, I, you know, get really frustrated with them. Uh, and very often in a number of years time, they, they do kind of say, listen, you know, I, I, it stuck with me and you were right. And, you know, the hard, the easiest thing in life is to say, you're wonderful, you're wonderful, you're wonderful. Uh, and the hardest thing in life is to care enough to, to do the hard thing. And, um, so that's, you know, that's what it is about being a business school professor that, you know, you, you have to, um, you're not going to get that from an online class. You know, I'll mm. teach you how to, how to build a platform, a SaaS platform, you know, but, but you, you, I have to make you feel, I have to make you walk home after class. I have to create an energy in a classroom and make you walk home after class and say, listen, um, I feel like shit. So I have to decide whether, you know, he was right and prove him wrong. Or I have to kind of say, I'm just going to accept this is the situation. Uh, And, and, and we, that happens a lot in business school. Uh, You know, just as you, you achieve something that you never thought you'd be able to achieve, you know, the, whatever, there's uh, three, professors have the decide randomly to schedule the exam on the same day. And you're like, oh, I don't have time to study for all three. So, but you find a way through it. And then you, at the end of it, you say, wow, I'm still alive. And that kind of gives you the confidence that, you know, not everything has to be perfect. You know, Mm. perfection is the enemy of good. And, And I think, I think that people you know my and i've been teaching now for like you know 11 or 12 years or something and that's the thing i often see that people they 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 value like learning about how to unlever betas and, you know, all that stuff that, that Mm -hmm. you can laugh about. Like that's what they say they come to learn. But uh, I think that it's the other stuff that is the real value, you know, how to get on with people, how to listen. You have a Chinese person, uh, someone from Azerbaijan, uh, somebody from Russia and and you have uh, you're thrown together with them. You have four days to make a a seven minute presentation Uh, and you do that like for, you know, a year, and by the end of it, you have this skill uh, that that you 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 kind of. And I say that is what you learn. And and I know people who haven't done an MBA, and they need they need like a month's notice to do a presentation, and 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 they don't sleep the night before. And then I I meet people in graduation, and I I because this is this conversation I have with them because I remember what they were like in the first term, and 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 I say, listen, you know, I could throw something strange at you. And and you could you you now have the the, the ability to 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 research into it, to make a few comp calls, to pull together a PowerPoint and to say something interesting about that subject within 36 hours. And and that is a skill. And in the same way that you know you you run a marathon, you just have to do the yards, you know, you just have to run the kilometers. You you can't get fit enough to run a marathon any other way. Uh, you know, I, like they say in project management, you can't get nine women to have a baby in a month. You know, there are certain things that are, that are Bottle, sort of bottlenecks. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing about the MBA experience that, that, you know, you, 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 you literally you know everything happens so quickly and especially in europe with the one-year mba that Mm -hmm. you you just you you stop asking why not and looking for problems you just kind of say oh well at least this person is uh you know physically in the same city uh uh, oh at least this person has worked in this company you you look at all the time that the glass is half full rather than half empty and and People in the executive programs are, they begin from a, a position because they're in companies of what could go wrong. Whereas the MBA, because the whole thing is is sort of like, uh, you know, it's it's uh, there's little, so little time, whatever. You begin from the position of, oh, wow, uh, that at least we have this. And you, you build from there and you get over the line and you wonder what all the fuss was about. And, you know, that is, I see that all the time. And I don't think that's going to change uh, in an era of online learning. And uh, you know, I think as as business schools, we have to talk much more about that. Uh, but we always talk about you know, reading you know the old style education. Mm. You know, like you 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 you'll be exposed to theories of you know activity based costing and and you know all that kind of stuff. And and that's that's not where I find the value.
0: I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so I spoke with the the. Head of admissions in INSEAD, Virginia. And she had a nice uh, term for it. She called it mastering intensity.
1: Yeah, great. I'll, I might steal that actually. Yeah, please. <laughs> I, I
0: borrowed it from her. So you're welcome <laughs> to borrow it from me.
1: Yeah, mastering intensity. And, and almost anything worth doing involves some period of intensity, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, and in fact, we should, you know, we should organize our lives around periods of intensity because, you know, that's when the greatest gains are made. You know, you find. um you know as i you know leo messi only works for like 180 minutes a week you know like that's that's when if you think about it that's what he's a footballer and he's paid he has a game on wednesday and a game on sunday and and that's you know the the, that's for what he's paid to do is being on the field Hmm. Uh, so he has to master intensity he has to be the best he can be for those 180 minutes uh, and everything else, you know, he sleeps 14 hours a day, you know, all of the best players do, uh, you know, he manages his diet, you know, all this kind of stuff. And um, he tries not to, you know, stretching all of those things. But, he, you know, that's the whole point. And, and you know, more of high performance. You know, this is, I mean, in our scale-up program, in the owner scale-up program, we have uh, a professor who talks about high performance and the difference between like a lot of conventional human resources is about kind of making bad people be good. Hmm. uh, Whereas in in, in entrepreneurship, it's about making good people be great. Great, yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, we have a high performance guy. He he works with the Irish rugby team. uh, And, you know, he is talking about like, you know, where's the edge kind of thing. That's all the time he's thinking about. Uh, and, And, you know, how do you, you know, how can the skill hold up after 80 minutes of people like you know of 120 kilo people bashing into you how do you know what to do Uh, and that's when the game is won you know Uh, so it's a real discussion about high performance and the idea that you know if you have one important meeting in the day then everything is around that meeting and you should have nothing sort of before it or after it you should visualize it you know you should talk you should question every part of it you know it's standard kind of high performance stuff Um, And again, this is not something people kind of talk about people like one of the one of the really interesting things about people's background is kind of, you know, whether they came from like a small town where they were clearly ahead of everybody else or whether they were in a kind of a hothouse kind of atmosphere. Uh, And, you know, some people come from a kind of a small town where they were always better than everybody else. And then they develop a confidence that that never leaves them. Uh, and then other people are kind of in a hot house, and they perhaps have more ability than that other person, but because it was harder to be the best, they never felt they were the best, and they, their their confidence struggled. So, you know, you, you, these are all the issues that you have to address with people and, and you have to address with in the same way that people, um, you know, who are from kind of middle of nowhere towns, you know, don't have resources nearby and are not used to going for resources. Where if you grew up in Paris or Madrid or, or somewhere like that, you know, you, you, you're, those resources are available. Uh, and I remember saying to somebody like recently, like there's 25,000 people who work for Netflix in Madrid. uh uh, you know like Netflix yeah 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 they have this huge studio you know that's where they make a lot of their stuff and um you know so like they're like they they automatically assume Hollywood is you know where they have to go to be in the entertainment industry or something like that and I'm like no 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 just to you know 10 kilometers that way Uh, and uh you know this is this is kind of uh you know this is the world we live in and and uh, location is becoming less important uh and uh you know differentiation is kind of becoming what's really important the first lesson you learn about economics is scarcity has value uh and that's a you know an extremely interesting part and and you know they are in netflix you know they're leaning on you know spain has i think 46 Of the top UNESCO World Heritage Sites, you know, where the Romans, all that stuff they built is left behind. And kind of that's why they're here, you know, Uh, and that's why they're not in Hollywood, where. Steve Martin in LA where Steve Martin said in LA story you know like some of these buildings are 25 years old you <laughs> know that was his <laughs> that was his uh that was his catch cry so you know that's the thing and again uh you know going back to to what you said about confidence uh, the other thing is is uh, a lot of my my students they don't value the things they already have you know and and that's something that they it's really important you know i they always like You know, like I remember I actually had a girl say to me once, she's like, "Well, I speak Czech, Slovenian, Russian, German, English and French, but I don't speak Spanish, you know. Mm. And I was like, will you you listen to like how ridiculous a statement that is? You know, like I only speak six languages, you know, and, and, uh, you know, she was kind of angry with herself or whatever. And I was like, you know, would you please value the things that you have uh, and, and rather than obsessing over the things you don't have? Uh, And uh, so that was, you know, that's another thing with students, they're all, oh, I need to learn big data. And, you know, I'm like, you just need to reply to your emails, like within an hour, you know, you just need to... Get, learn how to pronounce people's names correctly. You know, like oh, these kind of things are more important to success in life. Uh, you know, you pay attention to how a person is feeling that day. If they, if they, you know, these kind of things are 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 you know this thing about like oh big data or or you know whatever it is uh, is is important. Um, but you know, value the things. I mean, just to, to tell a story there's this guy and uh he grew up in his family had a, had a fashion business they used to mm-hmm. manufacture garments and uh like he wanted to go work in um he wanted to go, to go work for like a taxi company uh, basically well it was it was actually he wanted to work for cabify who were like uber or something and i remember saying to him like like why don't you work in fashion and he was like Ah, oh, you know like um I grew you know, up my family business, and you know I want to try and you know mark some distance from them. And I said to mm-hmm. him, "Listen, you know." And I, I said to him, "Like, for you to go work for Cabify, there's a whole series of skills you need to master that will take you probably ten years. You know, maybe maybe that's extreme case, but because you grew up around fashion, you know how to dress. You, you know how to be around fashion people." Uh, you know, you, you make other fashion people feel comfortable say, so I don't make fashion people like feel comfortable. I, you know, they know instantly <laughs> I, I'm not, thank you for laughing. Uh, they problem. know, they know, yeah, like I, I, you know, basically I have, so like, and I was saying to him, I, I'm like, you know, you walk in the door of a fashion company, you, you literally have the job, you know, and like, why don't you value these skills you know, you know who these people are Uh, like, why don't you value these skills? Like what's, you know, and, and, and he was, you know, it's funny with the, because of the pandemic. um, There's a lot more people who, you know, are saying, okay, now I'm, I'm kind of like, um, they're, they're being a lot more realistic about the situation, you know, And, and they're not necessarily saying, you know, looking to cabify. So the guy's saying, okay, uh, now people's necessities are more short term and stuff and, and that, uh, you know, clothing companies need people who who have my skills because, you know, that there's no way that they will hire this person like over the phone or, you know, on a Zoom uh, to do something in an area they've no experience in. Mm. So the only way they'll get hired if the guy comes up and said, oh, yeah, well, this is my family business from the age of six. I was in the warehouse Uh, You know, like uh, that was, you know, somebody like that, you know, you will hire over Zoom. uh, Whereas, you know, somebody who has no experience, you won't. So, you know, that is, again, a a positive side of what's happening. But again, the central thing is just not valuing the skills people have. I I find that to be, I find that to be absolutely incredible and and obsessing over the things that, that you don't have.
0: So, so to continue on that line, what what would be your top like two or three, uh, I wouldn't say tips, but your top two or three advices for, you know, for developing confidence for your MBA students, for our listeners, for, you know, the people you coach, you train?
1: Well, the first thing is you, you find out what you're good at and get better at that thing. In other words, you know, I mean, you know, I'm saying this and, 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 you know, I, you have to be careful. You think everybody knows this, but they don't, you know, they obsess over what they don't have. So if you're good at marketing or if you're good at accounting or if you're good at coding or whatever it is, like you don't say, Oh, I'm good at coding, but I need to learn marketing no, no, you, you become, I'm good at coding. Can I become one of the top 10 people in the world? Or, you know, so you double down on your strengths and you just leave behind your weaknesses. Um, so that's a kind of a, an important thing. Uh, if you obsess about your weaknesses, you're, you just, you know, you'll always be unhappy. Um, the other thing then is is the idea of being around people with different skills, so you know you you're doubling down on being a good coder, but you have find somebody who does accounting or operations or something like that, and, and all businesses that i you know i I set up I always work with people who have skills i mean if you if you set up a business with somebody who has a different skill to you uh, are the same skill you're just going to be fighting all the time. Mm. Because you, 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 that's just the way you feel about it. it. It's the narcissism of small differences. Whereas if you set up with someone who, who, I don't care if it's pink, I don't care if it's blue, I don't care if it's yellow. I, I'm an accounting guy. I, I just want to be left alone with my Excel and, uh, you know, please leave me alone. And, and those, you're not going to fight with that guy, right? But if you set up with someone who is from your design class, it's like, you know, we, we, we can't do it in yellow because, you know, whatever. So that's, that's, So be around with different people. And, um, you know, like diversity is obviously, I mean, this is what we sell in IA business School, which is, you know, diversity. Uh, and, uh, you know, this idea that, um, that, that you know, you, you hear, when you hear how other people do things, uh, it, it can often kind of open doors and change your way of thinking. Because if you're around people who've always done things in a particular way, uh, innovation is connecting the unconnected. And, mm-hmm. and what you have is if you have lots of people who've always done things in a certain way, they're not going to make new and different connections, you know. Uh, and if you're in countries where everyone uses cash versus countries where everyone uses credit cards, uh, if you're in countries where people have breakfast meetings, you know, nobody in Spain has a breakfast meeting. Like <laughs> it's the strangest thing in the world. You, you go to somebody, and I did it first when I came here, I said, oh, let's have a breakfast meeting. And like, they were like, what? They just didn't even really understand the concept of it, you know. And obviously, when I lived in the States, like everything was breakfast meeting. Mm-hmm. That was like the only time you could ever get anyone. I mean, forget, you know, having anything. Why Why would I stop for lunch? So um, that's a sort of an interesting way of looking at things. And uh, so I think diversity is interesting. Uh, you know, often when people lose their jobs, one of the big problems they have is that they, they look for comfort for other people who work with them who all kind of think the same way. Mm. And, and it's, there's this big thing now called the modern elder. I mean, I don't know whether you and I are sort of are part of this or not, but it's the, the kind of the, it's possibly the biggest growth area in executive education where, you know, 50 is the new 40. Mm. Uh, and remember that the, um, the average age of a successful company founder is 45. You know, 45 is not old. Uh, you know, Mansi Ortega, who created the 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 Inditex Zara and all of that. You know, he started at age 39, um, but he would never have been able to start it if he hadn't had 20 years experience like before that. But he started his company, and and now you know he he his biggest problem is to find like properties on high streets because he owns so much of the high street. There's nothing left. You know, he <laughs> does no you know there's no buildings left anymore to, that he can buy. So, um, so sort of that's a, a big thing about diversity. So I always tell, you know, so somebody I'm helping with now, and I'm like, listen, uh, you got to hang out with people. Who are you know from different countries, different ages, you know, different experiences. Like the worst thing you can do is hang out with 45-year-old Irish people who who worked all their life in travel. You know, that's like you're just going to be finishing each other's sentences. So like find somebody who, who has um you know worked in manufacturing or somebody who's in their twenties and somebody who's comes from some other country. And, and that's extremely important just in terms of 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 kind of getting you to think because otherwise you just finish each other's sentences and feel sorry for yourself and and nothing kind of happens but if you look at successful companies from airbnb and facebook and all of these companies like a lot of them have had uh, an important part in their development uh, somebody who is like you know, and I say this very conscious of my hair color, uh, a grey hair, you know, somebody who has kind of there you go, it's you're on your way, you know. Uh, I often make a joke that you you should when you know if you dye your hair, you shouldn't dye it black, you should dye it grey, uh, you definitely. know, because it's actually it's it's better to be gray hair than it is to be to be well, you know black but um you know in 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 mark zuckerberg you know all of the people who ran the data centers were all like digital dec uh you know uh, veterans you know people who understood you know five nines performance and all that kind of stuff now you know fast company had no interest in writing about any of these people you know they were like fat middle aged overweight types they who don't look good in photos um, but, uh, you know, they were, if you, when you ask people, which is sort of what I do for a living, you know, uh-huh. what were the key things, like they'd always point to that guy, you know, who, who sort of has knew what to do and knew about liability and the, all this kind of stuff. Uh, so you have this thing about modern elders and this guy chip Connolly has written a book about it and he mentored brian chesky in airbnb uh you know who was a very raw guy you know rhode island design school and and that kind of stuff uh you know but chip sort of was able to mentor him about you know how to you know uh, you know this guy was effectively starting a business where people were letting strangers into their house you know and and uh like like how do you sell that and and um chip was very good about how to hire people like brian didn't have any of those skills he you know wrote design school is design school it's not business school uh, and he you know talked to, to him about you know consistency and communication and those kind of things so modern elders uh is a really important kind of Uh, And he has a book about it, but we have, we have a course now in IE business school, or at least it's, it's starting this year. We haven't, where basically you have people who are in Spain, we say it's pre jubilado, So it's basically people who are like 45, Mm. who have been, you know, have been prematurely retired. Uh, and you know have lots of are financially independent our stuff but you know want to try and uh, you know want to be relevant you know going back to the phrase I used earlier and they are it's wonderful to match these people with startup kids you know it's just wonderful uh, because they have this experience they know how to persuade people and the biggest skill in terms of entrepreneurship uh, is your ability to persuade people. I mean, entrepreneurs come in all shapes and sizes, you know, and and many entrepreneurs are just lucky rather than good. But the one thing that that uh, the research seems to find is that there's an ability to persuade people. There's an ability to tell people you know, what to do, and um, and and convince you know come work with me or, or or you know give me that exclusive contract or something like that.
0: I have uh, a name and, for it. Yeah, I have a different word for it.
1: What? What's that word?
0: It's it's the ability, by the way, the the most important skill I think anyone can own. And that is to sell.
1: Yeah.
0: You're able you know, it sometimes has a negative connotation because of, you know, middle aged uh, salespeople in the US. Can I ask you,
1: Michael, how how many courses, how many courses in INSEAD are there on selling?
0: To the best of my knowledge, zero. I took a few courses well, more than a few before I joined the NCIAD, And I definitely read dozens of books about sales because I think it's the most important skill a business person, but just a person can own, you know, it'll save you in like 95% of the time.
1: We we can't get our students to take courses on sales. So, you know, it's an elective and we have like a brilliant guy and we're like, I, you know, we go into the elective pitching and we say, listen, business is sales. Yes. Uh, you know, negocio, the word in Spanish for business is negocio. It comes from negociar. Yes. It's the most fundamental part of it, all of this. Uh, and then we look at what electives they choose and like three people picks the sales course, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know what we can do to be better, uh, but, um you're you're right, of course, and and uh, but you know they they take other things. They take like HR and everyone takes finance. You know, it's like like okay. So that's, that's second. Uh, you know. se- that's
0: second or third most important. You, but you, you have know. to
1: respect <laughs> you have to respect people's choices, but oh, you know, um, or not. I I, <laughs> I just <laughs> well, we we uh, but anyway, we'll keep at it and and keep saying to people that you know sales uh, is important and and the ability to persuade people and. um, just even the ability to price your products properly. I mean, if there's sometimes I meet entrepreneurs and I, I'm like, I don't want to hear about your company or anything. I'm just like, I'm I'm rel- I'm reasonably certain you're mispricing your products. So can we just go straight to that? You mm-hmm. know, and and I I think uh, you know sometimes I'm very right and sometimes I'm only half right, uh, but in no case have I been completely wrong. Uh, you know, it's a thing you find consistently that uh you know entrepreneurs uh, are make products but they don't know how to price them and uh you know this is a sort of an example you know that's sales like just the whole like why wouldn't you what you're saying about a company by pricing it high you know these kind of things that if you've been around the the tracks uh you know you know this uh, and, uh, you know, these are the things that I try and, you know, reiterate in my, in my conversations with people, which is to say, like, always, always, if you create something new, scarcity has value. If you're the only person with this thing and you're not charging a high price, uh you know you're just doing it wrong you know and uh anything that you give away for free is is not is not valued so no. um so that's a this a kind of a, a you know an example of of again you know just business something you can say to somebody that just makes them think and and like it's a whole other thing to find out exactly what that price is but just to get them thinking about their price in a, a kind of a way Uh, that to realize the importance of what they're doing, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that, that I can do for you. That's really important.
0: My my personal mentor for many years now, uh, probably the biggest influence in my business and to an extent in my personal life as well. He drilled, you know, into my head and into everybody's head around him. He says, you know, there are three things that are important, right? He says it's sales, sales, and sales. And yeah. everybody across our organizations, including the yeah. daughter companies, know this mantra. And even, you know, when I was, I'm working on this project, you know, encouraging people to, to get an MBA without a bachelor's. And I have a lot of one-on-one calls other than the podcast and the writing. And the yeah. one tip that I always give and that nobody follows ever, I say, look, take a short sales course just trust me on this take a sales course it could be 30 minutes just watch it and i'm giving them the names the links the this to that
1: nobody does it it's yeah. so crazy yeah. yeah there's a thing mark cuban says as well uh which is like sales solves all problems you know so that if, if company if sales are growing it's funny how um you know, I often make a, an inappropriate metaphor about, about marriage, uh, uh, which I'm, I'm not going to make. But uh, the uh, there's interesting thing that, yeah, if a company is growing, it's funny how there's just a positive energy around the place that, that people don't get on each other's nerves. And if sales start to falter, suddenly you're, it's his fault, it's his fault, like finger pointing, and then the whole thing starts to disintegrate. So um you you kind of have um, that, by the way, is the the difference between me and Scott Galloway. You know, Scott Galloway would have told that joke. You know, and uh, he, <laughs> I, I still haven't got his, uh, you know, his Hutzbar, whatever you call it. Like he goes for he goes for the jokes, and maybe in ten years I'll go for the jokes as well. But right now, I I, uh, I I'm I don't you know best if I lived in New York, maybe I would. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's um, you know sales is 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 extremely important. Um, and uh yeah there was just even um i often when i talk about sales and of course i do talk about sales because it's my classroom i say like that you know i mean everyone knows the most important thing in sales is listening right but but it's like hiring a salesperson, which is to say that the most important skill and and i you know there are people who know more about this than me and we're all a product of our own experiences but I, what I want in a sales guy is the ability to look at someone and find out how much money they have, you know, Hmm. that's, that's the thing that I value because, you know, I came up in the software game. I came up where they were selling you know, basically packaged software. And and that was the skill of these people. They knew whether someone could could and would pay a million or two million or, or something like that. Uh, and that when you're in sales, the ability to sort of know how much money somebody, you know, can or will or is prepared to pay uh, is a very kind of important skill. Um, so, you know, that's the sort of a thing. So you listen and then you work out that I can offer this guy, um, you know, I, I can I can charge a hundred thousand for this, and the guy will you know you know won't get scared. So that's a really important skill in terms of sales.
0: Okay. so we're we're slowly approaching you know the surroundings of the end of this uh, uh, short <laughs> conversation, uh, and I would like to have another one, maybe in the in the near future, because it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, you're definitely one of the the wilder uh, <laughs> guests that we've <laughs> that we've had here, and I coming from with... me,
1: coming from you, Michael, uh, I'm sure you have I'm sure you have a great many tales to tell as well. But, uh, it's nothing anyway. but positive.
0: Trust me, go, this go, is go, the, go. the biggest compliment go. I can give. Um, so let me ask you to give you know something between your routine to what you recommend other people to have as their routine during uh covid-19 which we're in we didn't even touch upon we you know we didn't even discuss or think about
1: yeah Well, I mean, that's in a way that's, it's not, not a great question. Here's the critical (laughs) Joe coming, coming back in, uh, which is to say that like COVID-19 is, is in a regular circumstance. And here I am in my apartment in the middle of Madrid. My, my two kids are in the next room. My wife is in another room and, you know, I'm uh, sitting across from the biggest hospital, second biggest hospital in Europe, you know? So it's a sort of uh, it's not a regular kind of a circumstance, Hmm. but uh, I mean, what I will say in general about the, what i will say about routine um uh or or just you know in general uh, like sort of i guess life skills kind of stuff um uh is that uh you know control the controllables is is my big piece of advice you know mm. and and that's sort of like that's so fundamental that i you know if you ask me for three things you know going back to your thing about sales 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 yeah. i'll go control the controllables so we don't know whether we can open our campus in, 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 uh, you know, in, in September because that's not our decision. The government will make that decision, right? right. So I, I don't control that decision. Now, what, what I do control is, is the online courses. You know, so I know for a fact that I can sell an online course to you. Like we have an online course, it's called the high-op, a high-impact online program. I can sell that course to you, you can pay me money, and that course will run in the date that we decide. So, you know, that's a kind of a control of the controllables. So asking yourself about like what may happen depending on something, you know, that's very dangerous territory. So strip everything back to the issues you can, can control. Uh, and, uh, that is the things you can kind of, you, you need to put your energy into. Uh, and, and that's a sort of, um, you know, that again, if you, if you do what I do, which is you have like eight conversations with people. Uh, I mean, the best thing about my job is that everyone I talk to wants to get better. You know, like, that's the great thing about IE as a school that we, like, if anyone has a, doesn't have the right attitude, we just don't let them in. Like, we don't care kind of about, you know, what their CV looks like. It's about attitude. Like, do you want to get better? Because we don't want people who, who don't want to get better. So every, I have eight you know maybe six to eight conversations every day but you know everyone is positive about like we want him to get better so that's the thing about control the controllable so so divide up um kind of whatever situation you're in what things have you 100 percent control over and put your focus on that uh then i guess uh sort of less important is the idea of positioning yourself for when we come out of this, you know, Mm. Uh, and, and that you have to believe that, you know, the, the science, I mean, I have no, scientific reason for this but you know uh, like humanity if humanity was this vulnerable we, we'd have been you know extinct before now although there have been four extinction events but you know that's a that's a whole other thing uh, but you know there have we have to believe that um there are enough people motivated to, to so whether it's herd immunity or whether it's it's antibodies or, or whatever it is we, we have to believe that something will emerge so you know what's the pent-up demand you know what's the people who you know what are the things that they want to be able to do immediately so kind of position yourself uh, for that and the other thing and this kind of is in the realm of cliche and privilege which are you know two very bad things which is to say don't be too hard on yourself now that's easy to stay from a position of both privilege and a position um, of, of cliche uh, but you know this thing about like you're not writing a book you know, you're not like, you know, losing weight, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, like nobody is really, as far as I can see. Uh, and, uh, you know, so so don't be too hard on yourself. Uh, you just got to get through this. And if you're in a situation where, um, you know, you, you don't have, I mean, I, I certainly am very sympathetic of, people you know healthcare workers who put their lives on the line uh you know and haven't been tested and and don't get you know um the equipment they need and stuff like that uh so you know those are the people kind of who for whom this is much more difficult and and i just have to stay at home with with my wife and my children uh, and you know and a fast internet connection and you know i can that's a situation that i i can deal with so so that's the point in terms of your business control the controllables and and part, the other thing that i i look every conversation about um scalability you always talk about double down uh, and that's very much been um so if you are kind of doing bits and pieces of things whether it's podcasts or writing or something like that just pick the top two and double down on those and 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 that's kind of good advice because you know when we're running around like crazy um you know there isn't really time to sit down and make a decision you just react to what's coming in Mm. uh whereas when you have space you decide like i am going to be a podcaster like that is what i am going to do so whether it's uh now i'm i have um between now and june i have like 50 sessions of teaching that, you know, have been in the can for a long, it was like, we our our sessions are done, scheduled nine months in advance. So, you know, I, the rest of my year, a lot of it is already booked up. So I I have to deal with those and I'm focusing on just trying to do that really well. Uh, You know, I'm, because I think all of the people that, you know, signed up for those things, uh, you owe it to them to try and do it really well. Uh, and to try and kind of Johann cruyff had this thing about where he talked about make your disadvantage be your advantage uh, and as i was saying to people i said look my scale-up class in the MBA, i just literally bring entrepreneurs and and you know we don't do any models we don't do any two by two matrices or anything like that i like you know this is alejandro he has raised 70 million from Kleiner perkins tell your story, Alejandro. And also the like, millennials, they want experiences that are authentic and personal. Mm. So, you know, they want, it's authentic because it's the guy who did it. You know, it's mm. not, we're not reading about some third person. So it's authentic and it's personal because they can ask the question they want. So that's the sort of a thing I do. So what I've said to them, I said, listen, if we were doing this face to face, I'd be limited to the people who live in Madrid. But because we're doing it online, I can get people from Japan. I can get people to call in from Berlin, Barcelona, all of these people who who we could never get access to. So, you know, it's not all bad. It's, it's, you know, okay, you you would probably prefer a face-to-face encounter, but, uh, you know, we can have this thing. And then you also have the whole thing about, like, you know, you you're in your comfy place so you can absorb the information uh you know you don't have me shouting at you in the way that i'm you know capable of doing uh and uh so you know you 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 can have those kind of things even just the way you ask questions you know you you can chat rather than having to put up your hand and and get attention so um you know in that sense there's make your disadvantage become your advantage but yeah control the controllables is, is something that i i I, you know, you, you say it and you, you, you just see the reaction. People will say, I mean, I have this phrase that I say that, um, I say it probably takes me about five minutes to tell you what you need to know, but sometimes it can take you a year before you believe that I was right. You know, And, and, and this is the thing about control the controllables that doesn't hold because I say that to someone and it just seems to make sense immediately, which is to say that, okay, I have control over the, I have I, I manage the entire supply chain of this product. Therefore, I am going to focus on that. And and I'm dependent on a supplier for this product. So I don't control it. So, you know, that's, so I'm going to go in the other direction. So control the controllables is the kind of thing that when you say it, people think, okay, that makes sense. I can I can do that. Uh, so that's, I think, why it's some, I find myself saying it every day.
0: I think that's a great, that's uh, a great, tip and it's a great unfortunately wrap up for um for this episode uh before we conclude i would like to play a little game with you okay and that game is called only three words (laughs) and and it goes like this i'm going to ask you a question then you need to think i'm going to plug plug and play uh you know like a background music and then afterwards of course and then uh, when you're ready. You will answer, but you can only answer in three words. So, as for example, right? I ask you, okay, uh, Joe, what are your, you know, free, three favorite colors? And of course, you will say, you know, it's obviously green, you know, white and orange. You know, <laughs> yeah. <be> else. <laughs> that's
1: what I was going to say. Yeah, I <laughs> you'd say blue and white. Okay, but uh, anyway, well, yeah,
0: of yes. <laughs> blue, white, and red. You know, because I'm, okay. I'm, I'm both. Um, okay. So here, are you ready for it?
1: Okay, go ahead. Yeah.
0: Here's the question. Remember, I'm gonna ask a question. Then you need to, you know, just think. And when you say anything, word
1: association game. Yeah, I did this as a child. So (laughs) go on, go ahead.
0: All right. So the question is this: Based on your experience and your philosophy, what are the three most important traits for a scale-up entrepreneur?
1: Ooh, okay.
0: Um, Remember, only three words. Uh,
1: coaching. This is the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, resilience. Yep. Uh, let me. I. I. I mean, I'll give you the three words, but I do need to qualify what they of are. Of course, of course. And and and, and coaching means the ability to accept coaching? that. Yeah, you, yeah, you, oh, you don't. Ins- you. When I say coaching, you have to have an ability to not believe that everything has to come from you. You know, in other words, that somebody can tell you something. You have to be coachable, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Resilience uh, is the second of those. And what I mean by that is this notion that um, you know, when bad luck happens that you you don't, you can still somehow keep going. In other words, like bad luck happens. Like I, I, you know, the, the Primark clothing chain had a, a, this strategy of having no online business, which worked really well for them <laughs> until this came along and who would have predicted this? Right. But they can't feel sorry for themselves. You know, they have to be kind of resilient. So I think when you kind of think like, oh, bad luck, whatever, uh, I think. And and the other thing I think is just humor. You know, I think that's extraordinarily, uh, you know, Israelis I've worked with, uh, you know, are really good at this kind of, in fact, they're good at kind of all three, if I'm kind of honest about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, but it, it's there, this idea of like, um, you know, this, can I, can I quote Milan Kundera without being, yeah, coming course. across as being, yeah. as being pretentious, but you know, we're, what are we, you know, it's the unbearable lightness of being, you know, like humanity is nothing, but at the same time, it's everything. And, and a company is nothing, uh, but at the same time, it's everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is the whole, this is the thing that, that, that we see. And, um, you know, you you have to try and 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 have humour, and I, I find it incredibly just as there are amazing discoveries that are made out of kind of ridiculous notions. I mean, there's the famous story of the April Fool joke. Somebody said uh, Steve Jobs an April Fool joke about uh, a thousand songs in a box. You know that, that Apple <laughs> actually Richard Branson said it to, and and he it was meant as a joke, an April Fool's joke. But he just thought the idea was completely compelling. And then three years later came the iPod, you know. Uh, So an awful lot of just, you know, there are actually, uh, I'm a big Austin Powers fan. Uh, And and there are, that's the same (laughs) guy. And, you know, there are actually sharks with laser beams, you know, like, they, you know, they actually now I don't know whether the people who developed them, you know, that was their own sense of humor. But, you know, there, there, such a thing was developed. So, you know, I think that's quite important that if, yeah, I find it very difficult to, to to and humor can be it doesn't have to be like, you know, humor can be. And this, again, is the I'm thinking of one Israeli guy, you know, he's really dry. You know, he, he doesn't smile, but he can be very, very funny. You know, and, and and like that's a particular thing that I like. You know, and and you almost like, well, did he really say that? But it's so, and the, the the timing and everything is is really good. And I think of a few people, and like if I told you his name, if you don't know him, you you know, you, you know, somebody who knows him. Uh, but uh, it's just like, that's that kind of thing that can get you over a lot of kind of circumstances, you know, just the ridiculousness of the situation. So that's, that's the, you know, the Kundera, the unbearable lightness of being, and just the sense that, uh, you know, it's okay sometimes to just say, this is just completely ridiculous. I mean, I used to do a lot of mountain climbing and, you know, you would find yourself, kind of like just in ridiculous situations you say well what am i doing here <laughs> like i'm I'm peeing into a, a water bottle while being connected to like a, a, you know a head wall like why And i'm here by choice you know <laughs> uh, and uh you know you, you're sort of like and and as soon as you get down from the mountain you know you you, you have one night of like like, I'm never doing that again. And then the next day you're like, so I guess we're off to, uh, you know, we're off to Russia then, are we? <laughs> you know, like, and it's, you know, so that I find that to be a kind of a good, and I wasn't a great technical climber. um, uh, But the reason people wanted me on their expeditions uh, was, you know, that I had a, a kind of a positive attitude. You know, I didn't complain, you know, so I wasn't a guy who could like break trail. I wasn't a guy who would do a first route. Uh, or anything like that but i didn't complain uh, and i didn't i would sort of you know i would just keep going uh, and you know that was every every group needs somebody like that in the same way that you need a guy who can actually you know knows where to put the ice screw uh you know which is you know something that you learn i, I you know i put it in the wrong place but but you need someone <laughs> like you need you, <laughs> you need somebody who can who just kind of just doesn't complain and gets on with people and just keeps going and you know i i i at the time there was a while when i thought it was kind of an insult but you know maybe now i sort of understand uh, that actually it was you know it wasn't meant like that at all
0: yeah. focusing on your strengths so joe with that i want to thank you very very much for being with us today this was a lot of fun a lot and um i really look forward to the next one is there anything you would like to tell our audience before we wrap up
1: no i i mean just uh, good luck with everything you're doing michael uh you know there's a lot of new podcasts coming out but you know you have to believe in yourself believe you're the best uh you know believe that just because there are lots of podcasts doesn't mean that people don't want are not interested in what you're doing uh, and going back to the idea of having confidence in yourself i mean if you don't believe in yourself don't expect anyone else to believe in you mm-hmm. uh, and also you know the fact that uh you know i think this is number 12 or something like that or 10 or 12 or or something in this series that you know it's by doing you get better, and and in the same way that scaling, you know, it takes it can take eight years, but suddenly then it, it just exponentially grows, uh, and that you know you got to stick with it, and then you know about thirty or forty or something like that is when the real magic happens. So you have to be resilient, and you have to keep going, and you have to believe in yourself. Okay? Only easy
0: day was yesterday.
1: Yeah,
0: perfect. Okay, <laughs> so uh,
1: not at all. Hope to see you in Madrid sometime.